check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig and Tim. On this episode, we're going to look back at the win against Xavier, the final game of the season, which was a loss against Marquette. We'll be joined by St. John's Athletic Director Mike Craig, and we'll look ahead to the Big East Tournament. Guys, as we start the show, the question I have for you this week is... Irish celebrate raisins or no raisins? <laughs> that is a good question. The answer is always no raisins. Gross. But it's absolutely raisins. That's a horrible take, Craig. <laughs> the question I have for you, though, <laughs> just because you control the soundboard doesn't make you right. I have the power. You, I can, I, I, I can the power to mute you at any moment. Do you go light cabbage or heavy cabbage? No cabbage. Come on, that's that's hard. Cabbage is garnished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> I like to get the cabbage juice at the bottom of the plate. <laughs> That's what I really enjoy. It's, it's not pizza hut kale. We're just dancing around the pizza. It is no cabbage, no raisins. Give me just corned beef straight. But straight, got, no chaser. But you got to get the Irish butter. Oh, Kerrygold butter. Got to have yep. Kerrygold butter. Went up in price this year. Well. It's that oil. It's that oil. It's delicious, though. <laughs> it's delicious. All right, the question I have for you is this. You have to sing... A karaoke song. What song is your song of choice? Same rules as always, by the way. Your song gets taken. You got to pick another one. I'm ready when you are. Good. Fire away. I know you guys ain't going to pick mine, so I'm not too worried. I'm going to say Country Roads. You can go ahead and say oh, that. Oh, damn. I was just trying to take... So, <laughs> trying to so, hop in and take... I was trying, I was trying uh, to take Tim's. Uh, okay, Craig. Start singing. <laughs> no. You know, you know not karaoke. You, this is a podcast, okay? See, it's so, not the time. Uh, mine actually... It's not something I would normally pick, but it's because uh, when my daughter was uh, younger, we had to sing to her a lot to calm her down because she had um, uh, gastro problems. So I actually used to sing um, Old Dominion, No Such Thing as a Broken Heart. That was something that she really enjoyed to hear that. And um, oh, what was the other one? It was that and uh, One Man Band. Those two songs she loved to hear, uh, hear me sing. So those are the two songs I can be on key and just <laughs> recite. You know right away. Yep. Craig tried to steal your pick. Bad guy move by Craig. Didn't even pan out for him. It was a villain move, but I'd probably... I actually... Uh. You you can't bunch of crunch me, so don't worry. I was trying. I was trying. <laughs> bunch of crunch came out so fast that no one was ever getting that one, although it was still a great snack. Craig, you got to pick one, bro. Oh, right. I have to pick a real one. Just pick a um, real one. I kid. would say, uh, off the top of my head, I was just trying to think of how I could steal Tim. So uh, I would say, <sighs> don't stop me now from Queen. No, oh, that's a good nice. one. I do enjoy that song. I like song. that song. Yeah, Don't Stop Me Now is a very good one. It's a great song. I go Living on a Prayer. We're from New Jersey. Okay. You like, have to go I was Living like, on so, a Prayer. Someone's got to do Jersey. Someone's yeah. got to do us right, for God's sake. You got a bunch of bums over there. I could have done Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> well, too late, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? It's St. Patrick's Day almost. We got, we're going to talk like we're a little... We're from the Emerald Isle. All right. Let's get into some St. John's basketball. The end of the season, the final week of the regular season... All upon us. Last week, 
St. John's came away, split the week, a win against Xavier on Wednesday started things off. It was senior night, final home game of the season at Carnesecca Arena, 81-66. to 66. A good win. <laughs> a good win against the Musketeers. <laughs> oh boy, Tyreek Coburn led the way with 20 points. Great night for Tyreek Coburn. Julian had a great, potentially last game at Karnasek Arena. 19 points for him, eight rebounds as well. Posh, another spectacular night. 17 points, eight assists, seven rebounds. We did a great job shooting from three. 36% from three. Held Xavier to 17% from three. For the Musketeers, it was Kobe Jones leading the way with 13 points. Jack Nunji had 12. He also had 11 rebounds to go along with it. Nine turnovers only by the Musketeers. Pretty low number. Uh, but it was, we did everything we did. We had to do to win. And we played well against them when we were in Ohio. And you wondered, you know, can we play at that same level again to a team that's that's most likely looking at the possibility of being in the tournament? And the answer was yes. And we came out big. It was senior night. It was Marcus Hatton bobblehead night. It was a great night for us to finish out the season in our last home game. Also shot 85% from the line, so another uh, good game for our free throw shooting, which is a great thing to see going, especially into the tournament. We are going to be getting some free throw time at that point. People start getting tired. People get sloppy. So if we make it past DePaul, make it past the second game, get into the third that's where our free throw shooting needs to be good. So I mean, as, as throughout the season, we've seen when our free throw shooting is good, we win games. When our free throw shooting is not good, we lose games. I mean, frankly, you know, a few free throws here and there across the season. This is we're talking about a much different uh, week coming forward. So absolutely, uh, the free throws uh, has has been an issue. And when they're good, we know we're good. So uh, we were we were very good against Xavier. Uh, a, a very good senior night. Uh, Julian had a great night, which is great in what might be, like Vincent said, his last game. Uh, at Carnes, I know he wanted, he really wanted to, if you read the article in the post uh, from Zach, um, he really wanted to show out and have a great game. His last game, he wanted to go out uh, the way he wanted to, and I think he did. I mean, he had 19 points. He took over, and we really, we really took this game over in the second half, uh, and once the second half came, we took the lead, and it kind of put the foot on the gas, and this game was, was not close in most of the second half. Yeah, and Wheeler got a double-double, which is always nice to see him get some uh, some love there. Absolutely, and and Tyree Coburn, you know, it's, it's, we got big help from an unexpected place, and it, and it yeah. turned out well for us. Man, give, the, give the guy a week off from school, <laughs> from being trying to be a doctor, all of a sudden he drops 20. I mean, he looked good, too. He looked really, really good. This is the flashes of brilliance that we've seen from this team. Right, I mean, yeah. absolutely. This, Wait, is, this is prime example. This is one of those. That's this is one of the things that has made this season uh, frustrating. I think as for fans, because we see them play well against Xavier. We see, them, we know they can do it, and and they have the ta- you know they have the talent to do it. Yeah, and just you know things have not gone our way, and um you know it, it, that's been the frustration because like we're right there, we're right there, uh, and, and against Xavier we were dominated, and we dominated now twice, and like Vince said, they're a tournament team, uh, so yeah. yeah. I mean, Coburn said breaking down the anatomy was breaking down the anatomy of a defense. So, <laughs> absolutely. And listen, we got to give some some shout outs to Marcus Hatton. Great yes. night for him. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. We, uh, me and Tim were, were there. Got to actually, you know, sit down and talk with him for a while and uh, watch some of the game. Broke some da- down some things, which is great to get his perspective on it. And uh, uh, we're happy for him. We're really happy for him. 
Unfortunately, the other game of the week was a disappointing one. A loss in our final game of the regular season in Milwaukee against Marquette. 85-77 to that game was Saturday night. Justin Lewis led all scorers with 28 points. Darrell Morsell also had 20 for the Golden Eagles. For St. John's, it was Dylan Adewusu who led the way with 19 points. Julian had 15, Wheeler had 11, and Nywee had 10 points. A good night for him. Tough night for Posh Alexander, though. First night getting shut out this season. Zero points, only four shots, but he did have nine assists. So good job by him to at least facilitate. 26% from three, really a number that hurt us big time. They shot 32%. You know, we had John Fanta on, and he said this was going to be a tough matchup for us. We were right there. We were in this game. We just couldn't couldn't come away with the win. You know, this is this is one that slipped through our hands. And it's tough to see final regular season game. Now, fortunately, it you know you never want to never a loss never doesn't impact you. It had no impact on our seeding though. It was not changing anything. We were locked in at the seventh seed right. in the Big East tournament. So fortunately for us, it's not like we slid down to a worse matchup because of it. It's just an unfortunate loss. Right, that win over Xavier on senior night uh, secured us the seventh seed. Uh, and, and the ability to play at 7 o'clock opposed to playing at 4.30 in the afternoon and then having to play uh, a quick turnaround at, at noon, which we'll talk about later when we talk about the Big East tournament. But um, that was, you know, so, look, it, it, it was Marquette away. Uh, Marquette is one of the third tournament team, too. Um, it, you know, we didn't get to play them at home, unfortunately, this year. We, just the scheduling didn't work out. We lost the game to COVID. Um, but like Vin said, the game didn't impact in terms of our seating or anything like that. And look, you want to win every game. Look, we don't. You know, nobody goes out there to lose. Um, but unfortunately, we were just you know they made a couple more plays than we did, and and they came out on the winning end. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a shock of smart team. Uh, he always coaches well, and I mean, unfortunately, Texas didn't see him, didn't give him enough time. Now they did get a good coach and Chris Beard, but hey. Marquette picked him up after uh, getting rid of Woj, which everyone was kind of questioning. Get rid of a coach that brought you so much success, and then to have Shaka fall in your lap, you got they got really lucky. They did a good. They job. did do a good job, and, and and they a little bit of luck, but a little bit of good job. I mean, good job seeking that out, and you know Shaka Smart built that VCU program into what it is. It's a, t- a team that constantly makes the tournament, even now years beyond him being there. So. You know, he is a really good coach, and he did really fall into their lap. And, uh, you know, just, just another team on the list of Big East teams that's going to have a great coach and be tough to beat for years to come. Can we also talk about how at Marquette, um, apparently you're allowed to hang on the rim, but St. John's is never allowed to hang on no, the No, no, I'm sorry. Only teams against St. John's yeah. are okay, allowed right, to hang on the rim. But, but It's not specifically Marquette. It's any team playing St. John's gotcha. in any gym. And, gotcha. and St. John's is just or, never allowed to hang or out. Or anyone named Montez Mathis. No, no, he, no. Montez Mathis isn't even allowed to go near blocking the rim. He gets flagrant kicked out of the game for that. But their guy's allowed to or, do some chin-ups, you know, yeah. do, do do a little crunch exercise on the, on the, I mean, I on hate the rim that, there. I hate that rule in general because, like, who really cares? Why is it stupid? But whatever. It, it's going to be a rule, then apply it across the well, board. No, the problem is that rule, it's a rule that only, I've only ever seen called on St. John's. I, I don't think I've ever literally watched a basketball game where I've seen that called <laughs> on anybody else. It's it's the absurdity of it. So they, they want to do it so you don't break the rim or mess up the backboard. But that those are the dunks that people hang and, like, slap the backboard and pull themselves up. 
there's a difference between hanging on and like yanking on. Sure. Like, the refs were inconsistent, which is tough, but, but that that's not that why we lost. That wasn't the problem why we lost. I no, just, it, yeah, it wasn't. But I just wanted to complain a little bit about it. Well, it's you know they deserve to be complained about a bit because you're inconsistent. All you need is consistency. Let's talk. But let's talk about Dylan Dewusu actually had a good game for the first time in a while. He has struggled. Yeah, he had struggled and, um, and it was good bounce. But it back. was I, he had a good he had a good game. What nineteen points? Um, yeah. and he you know he he looked good and he continues to be uh enigma, an enigma. His, his three point percentage this year has skyrocketed. It has. Uh, his assist I think is at least doubled to this point. His points are up. He's a guy that he has a very simple shot. It's a quick release. It's not much effort. Which for end of the game, you don't want a guy jumping really high to do a jumper. You want something very consistent, very simple. And let me say this before I make the statement: I'm no way comparing him to Ray Allen as a shooter, but in form, it's a simple release. Which Ray Allen was a simple release. So you think he's like Ray Allen? Is what you're trying to say? Form. Not the shot, the I th- form. I think that Tim just compared I think that, I think Dylan Dewey to Ray Allen. That's I think, what I, got I think even to say the form is the same is a bit of a stretch. It's, it's a simple shot, not much effort, yeah, and it's a quick Ray race. Allen's like, you know, the best college three-point shooter maybe of all time. Yes. Dylan is not. But the effort, He's better than he gets credit for. Yeah. Actually, if you look at his number. Okay, he's better than he gets credit for, but... I'm I, not in Ray I, Allen. All, all I'm saying is, it's a stretch. All right, well... That ended our regular season there. So, just to put a cap on the season, see where we finished. 16 and 14 overall on the year. 8 and 11 in conference. Some accolades to go home with, though. Julian Champagny, first team All-Big East. Back-to-back. Back-to-back years for him. One of the very few, if you read the the article in the post, I think it was only Shamori. Shamori. was the last one, yeah. Malik, Sealy, Mullen, uh, D'Angelo Harris. Yeah. I believe the only other St. John's players get back-to-back so, first-team All-Big East. Posh Alexander got an honorable mention yep. in terms of the All-Big East teams. That, that's a bit of a snub, by the St- way. Still one yeah. of those underrated players in the Big East. Uh, can only get an honorable mention. We, you weren't here last week, Craig. I We went on a bit of a rant about how I think Posh Alexander is actually the best player on our team. But it, this is a that, that's a clear snub. He, he is... Even if he's not the best player on our team, he's certainly one of the best guards in college basketball. Well, and he, he deserves way more recognition than he gets. You, I, you I, compare him to Colin, better assist, better assist to turnover ratio, less fouls committed, higher rebounds, higher steals, more blocks. Yeah, he scores less. He's but he's top. It's 10. also a point guard. I mean, he, he very well could be defense player of the year again this year, which means I've won two defensive well, players of the let's, year. Let's and be will serious. Not be, ever he's been top on a ten in four team. stat categories. Well, let's be serious. They're going to give him co again. They're going to put someone else there. Points per game, he's top. He's eighth. Steals, he's first. Assist, he's top ten. Rebounds, offensive rebounds, he's top five. Offensive rebounds, thing. Which, that. by the way, he's six feet tall. Right. Yeah. I just maybe I just you know it doesn't get enough recognition and this is another clear example of it but good to go home good for Julian to be on that I guess good for Posh to get an honorable mention even though he deserved more obviously going back to last week by the way I did listen to your your Posh Alexander tirade which was great I agree with Posh getting a lot of credit but I had to I have to respectfully say that I believe that Julian's the best player on the team I mean listen I understand he's the best NBA prospect on our team no he's the best I mean he's the best player on our team Julian doesn't score twenty points a game. We we we're net, we'll never win, frankly. 
Posh Alexander shoots a higher percentage, has more assists, has more steals. Julian has been forced into a role where he's trying to take more shots this year than he usually does. Posh, Julian Champagne, which lowered his percentages. Julian Champagne was because of what he re- what he heard when he went and tested the waters last year, was left to on his own be a guy who created his own plays more, which is why he got the ball more and got more of those opportunities, and he didn't do as well as it as he could have done off the ball. That's not Posh Alexander's fault. I'm not blaming Posh Alexander, and I think... Well, my point is that doesn't take away from Posh Alexander. No, but I, but I also think it, doesn't, think it takes away from Julian Champagne. I mean, Julian Champagne is still... He's still the second league in scoring the Big East, was led the league in scoring, Big East in scoring last year. He's two-time first. I mean, that that's... There's a... I mean... Whatever you think it's of spectacular. Posh Alexander, you have to we have to give credit to Julian. I mean, Julian. I was not been... taking away the point of it was not to take away credit from Julian Champagne. It was just to give Posh Alexander more credit than he gets. No, I I think I agree with you. I think Posh is is vastly underrated. Um, but I just I just I just think Julian. I think Julian's best player team. I think that doesn't minimize the importance of Posh, who who helps us, who's the engine. Um, yeah. But I think, um, well. You know, I think Julian. I think Julian's the mo- is our is our best player. Well, the NBA got scouts did tell him he also had to improve his defense, and he's almost averaging two steals and over a block a game. So yeah, he's done yeah, that. No, he, he has, he has, has done that. that. That is true. Maybe, maybe Julian Chantan is a fantastic player. It's just maybe a co defensive players of the year in the Big East are. Julian and uh, Posh. They'll, they'll never, never do. They'll never do. That. They'll never do that. The, they'll, Dan uh, Hurley would pretty much like have a stroke at that point. <laughs> they'll never do that. They may, they may, sh- maybe they should do that, but they they'll never do that. <laughs> it should be Posh Alexander probably. They'll, it should be Posh Alexander by himself. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll give it to like Sonogo or someone. They probably will. All right, now we are joined by a very special guest. We have the director of athletics at St. John's University, Mike Craig, with us. Hey, Mike, how's it going? It's going great. Sitting here in my office, as you can see behind me, and, and uh, getting ready for an exciting week ahead of Big East Tournament basketball. It is always an exciting time when the Big East Tournament is happening. Uh, thanks for coming on. We do really appreciate you taking the time out to be with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, and congratulations on all the success of Storm Chasers. And um, I was actually watching some, I guess, real-life Storm Chasers last night. I want to watch the Iowa Tornadoes from a days ago so um so i'm familiar with the term so i'm glad we're we're being chased as well (laughs) Well, it's it's fun to chase along you know it's always fun um so let's get into a little bit of your history we'll start off there so you went to the university of washington uh and you then went across the country to north carolina to to work at duke what was that like what you know what drew you to duke obviously it's duke but what made you make that very long trip across the country yeah, well, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, I grew up in a small town in eastern Washington, uh, Yakima, Washington. Those that follow hardcore uh, hoops know uh, the Yakima Sun Kings from the D League before there was a G League, and um, and so, but that was before that was long after my days. But anyway, I went to University of Washington as you mentioned, communications major, and worked in uh, sports information there for all four years as a student in the athletic department. And little did I know when I arrived that um, they actually pay people to work in sports. And (laughs) I had played many sports growing up and my dad was an assistant football coach at a junior college, uh, Yakima Valley College in, in Yakima. And 
I started uh, traveling with the team when I was like in middle school, maybe even sixth wow. grade and um, kept stats. And again, kind of the same story on the sidelines. I'd call the newspaper and say, here are the scores, here's the stats. And again, little did I know that that's what sports information is. And again, people pay you to do this. So I uh, became the intern at the PAC-10 conference office. Obviously now it's the PAC-12, but uh, moved to Walnut Creek, California. And uh, was that job for a year. And um, you mentioned Duke would obviously be attractive, but uh, what's interesting long before the internet and all those days uh, that we live in now, um, <clears throat> Add, uh, a little classified ad at the end of the NSA news before any of you guys were born, by the way. And um, and it was a job listing for assistant sports information director doing women's basketball. It's its primary um, job and working game stats, et cetera. And um, I applied for it, didn't know anybody. And my fiance, my wife now of 33 years, um said you know what the heck and you know all this and so um but I got the job drove across uh interstate 40 in my Chevy S10 <laughs> and told her Paige is her name that we'd be back in two or three years she's from California and uh, we'd be back home and 31 years at Duke and three four years or almost four years here and uh, we still haven't made it back and not looking to go back anytime soon and uh so no, we love it. And Duke was not Duke, as you know it. Duke was a very mom and pop, small uh, athletic department um, with a relatively young head coach that had been to one Final Four, and um, but you know was right in the brink of something. And so my first five years, we went to five straight Final Fours and <laughs> pretty good start championships. Pretty good start and. Um, and I was elevated from being assistant SID to being the SID in the middle of all that. And anyway, you haven't asked any more questions. I'm, I'm filibustering. Sorry. No, no, no. It's great. It's good. Good. Great background. It's an interesting story. But, you know, you said, you, you know, you spent 31 years at Duke. So what's kind of one thing you, you would say you took away from working with Coach K? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I take so many things away from working with Coach K. And then my mentor, Kevin White, was my last athletic director there and two of the best in the business. And I think the biggest thing <clears throat> for me with Coach K is that you always speak the truth and you're always honest with each other. And so, you know, the context that Coach K would tell that is mostly with his players that when he tells them they screwed up, he's telling them the truth and they may not want to hear it. Mm -hmm. When he tells them they did great, they do want to hear it. And it's also the truth. And I think like everything, when Coach K speaks to his team and you listen and absorb and all those things for all those years that you apply it to your own life. And so to me, that's the number one thing. And that's what earns you trust. And that's what earns you, you know, the ability to form great partnerships, relationships. And so it all starts with that one thing. Um, and then Kevin White was always, I can remember my first meeting, he was my athletic director for my last 13 years. And I can remember the first meeting he had with us, our senior staff. And he said, I will be as transparent with you as you earn. And so you earn all full transparency. And so I learned a lot about the business of college athletics and how to be an athletic director and 
And so I'm forever grateful for those two and being around them for as long as I was. You know, those are some great values uh, to take away. Did, did you happen? I know, obviously, we had a game against Marquette, but were you at Coach K's last game in, uh, in Durham? No, I was, I was with our team. I was with our women's team the night before that at the Big East tournament. Right. Up in Sun, we won. And then I left there that morning with my wife and we flew to Milwaukee. Um, I was invited by Coach K's family to come sit with them at the game. Oh, wow. And um, it was a, you know, I know it was the right decision. I knew I wasn't going, but I gave it, you know, we gave it full thinking. Yeah. And we had actually snuck down two weeks before um, we played that Butler on a Friday night, mm-hmm. that one in Carneseca, and that was supposed to be our off weekend. And so we had planned to fly down there and we did. And we went to the FSU game. Oh, nice. It was the first time in all of my years that I didn't have a, a suit and a tie on. <laughs> Before the pandemic, we used to wear suits to games. And um, and so um, I was in jeans and with all of our friends and saw so many people. And, and that was at the time, you know, we didn't know we'd be invited. And we, um, you know, that was our farewell, so to speak, and be able to see coach and talk to him. And mostly what I'm looking forward to is after the season and being able to go down memory lane with him and drink some right. great wine. He has a great wine collection. Mm. And um, so we both share that joy. And, and, and that's, you know, the other night would have been fun until the end to be there, but, right. uh, and, and I watched it on TV and all that, but um, no, I'm with, I've got a day job as I told them and <laughs> I love my day job and it's the right place to be. And I'm right there with our staff and, and our student athletes and kids every, every step of the way. Well, we love to hear that, you you know, you picked St. John's uh, and obviously you picked St. John's coming from Duke. So what kind of made you come to St. John's? Well, I would say, you know, it's like everything in life. It's a two way street. I mean, just because I picked it, um, it wasn't my choice. It was the choice of the president and and the search committee that offered me the position. And um, and I was very thankful for it and still am that, um, you know, for us and looking at it, we just really felt it was a good match being at a school that prioritizes basketball. Um, obviously I was at a private school for a long time. So St. John's that, and I felt like I knew New York pretty well. I would say I didn't know it as well as I thought I did um, <laughs> three and a half years ago. Um, but, you know, we love it. And, um, and, you know, mostly it was just a, a great opportunity and, and we still see it the same way. And as Kevin White told me from, Day one, you know, all your only job is to try to move the needle a little bit every day. And, you know, there's obviously, and we'll get into it if you have the questions about it, there's a lot of work to be done here. You got to know um, we're at a school that has not invested in basketball as an institution for 30 some years, arguably. For if sure. not and, and so it doesn't come overnight. And as you'll recognize from my story that's how duke was now i don't have 30 years left i'm too old for that so <laughs> we've got to you do sure? it for fashion in 30 years but i can i can assure you that um if you walked around cameron where my old offices were in 1987 and you walk around the halls of Carneseca today you would say eh, interesting very close but that's a big gap all right <laughs> 30 some years. Yeah. And um, so we know, we know the job ahead. For sure. But since you've come in as the AD, and I, I know I speak for Craig and Tim when I say that you've made some major changes uh, moving in the right direction. 
what what do you see as your vision for this program moving forward? Well, for all of our student athletes, we have 17 sports and 340 some student athletes is to have a great experience. You know, my job is we're in the kids business. And, and that means that when we make decisions, we're doing what is best for the student athletes. And you always come to the right answer when you look at it from their prism and what to do and make the right decisions. And so for us, our vision is that we should have a, a championship level basketball program, which is the A1 priority of our university. We, we saw it that way when we came here. Now, certainly under Father Shanley's guidance and as our leader, as the president, he knows the value of athletics, but specifically men's basketball to the success of an institution. And that's what he lived as president of Providence for 15 years. And, um, and so he knew the task ahead when I first walked him around and gave him that sort, same tour I invited you to that um, we have a lot of work to do. And, um, and so he gets that and he champions it and understands it. And again, it's not a, it's not a flick of the switch. And um, there's been a long, a long-term uninvestment and, and so that's our number one thing, or those are our first two things. One is our student athletes, two is our men's basketball program. And then I think we're more than capable of being at that level, always competing for Big East championships and in all of our sports. And certainly men's and women's soccer has proven that, volleyball has already proven that. The history suggests that baseball, you know, all of our sports are capable, softball, women's basketball, you know, we we're in a, a bit men's and women's tennis. I'm excited about our golf programs. You know, fencing program is among the best and most elite of all the country. Absolutely. We have a yeah. lot of great things here. And um, so, you know, a little setback with the pandemic, like every, everybody else in New York, but, um, but we're very, very excited about the future. So we love the, you know, the hashtag expect to win mantra. Where did, where did that come from? Um, I guess it's my communications, marketing, um, goofiness background. Um, I really just, um, I felt like we needed something to hang our hat on. And expect to win means you have to prepare to win. You have to, um, you know, be ready to win. You have to be worthy of winning. It's a lot of steps to the point of expect to win. And, and so that's, that's what, you know, it takes a lot of work. And I think that's what we try to instill in all of our coaches already instill in our student athletes in every sport is that it takes a lot. It's a large commitment. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the mindset that you expect to win and you can't visualize that, you're likely not going to win. And, and so to me, that's what, we lacked, um, and, and that is a mindset that we do expect to win. Um, but I think it goes for everything we do, whether it's fundraising, you know, whatever it is, we, we, we have to not look at ourselves as the bottom of the conference and so many things that we are, because that's not, it's not what we're, where we're going to be. Right. You, you talked a lot about, you know, being uninvested for, for a while here in the men's basketball program, what are the main upgrades that you're currently focused on in terms of fundraising for the basketball program and in terms of after the fundraising, in terms of the facilities yeah. uh, at St. John's? Yeah. So, I mean, really we've spent the first three years really just rebranding and, and trying to, um, you know, get us out of the look of the seventies and, <laughs> 
Um, I think we've accomplished some of that, not a, not a ton. There's still more to be done, and we're still looking at ways to do that. Um, and but the number one thing, and it gets back to the priority of student athletes, is that day to day experience of being. I'll just stick to men's basketball right now. What it means to be a men's basketball player, and that means your locker room, the weight room, the training room, a lounge, a video room, the offices, all of those things add up to where these kids spend their days. And it's what we did at Duke. I mean, we, we transformed the entire athletics campus, but starting with men's basketball, that you have to do that. Every school has done that for the last whatever years you want to put in, except one in the Big East. And so Tafner Fieldhouse is a good start. I mean, we have a nice practice gym, um, but past that, I mean, there, there's no getting around the fact, and it's not like we go out and publicize this, but you know, the, the internal um, reality is that we, we have to do that. We have to build it bigger, bigger and better. And so we've been in a feasibility study for the last several months. Um, we've been in a silent phase of raising money Mm -hmm. Father Stanley is deeply invested in, and involved, and and I'll just say our lead uh, um, gift collector. Um, and so, you know, we hope in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, that we're going to be able to to you know really announce what we're doing. Certainly, internally, we've already started bantering about that. And if you know, the first year before the pandemic, we my first thing was two things. One was create a master facilities plan. Mm -hmm. and to a strategic plan for athletics. And we did both of those. Both of those were right on the burner of getting in front of trustees. And then March 12th happened and, right. and then shut down for two years. And yeah. so we haven't really publicly unveiled a, a master plan for all of our sports. Um, and I don't know that that will be the strategy going forward, but the strategy I know and we use as an internal document is men's basketball and women's basketball has to be upgraded. And, and so the student athletes first. Part of that that goes at the same time in fundraising is how do we continue to make Karnaseka as good as it can be? And, and that's a challenge. It's an old building with a lot of codes and a lot of um, not modern amenities. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. Um, and that's where the trade-off is. We've got Madison Square Garden but at the end of the day, you know, we've got to figure out where do we have the most chance to win and where can we make the most money and where can we have the best possible fan experience to help us win? We all want the same thing. How are we going to win? And so, you know, that's, that's our, really our priorities. So we, this year we had four games at the Garden. Um, oh you know, is that kind of the number we, we should expect going forward? Is that you're looking for that to change? And what is our relationship like with the garden? Is it, is it more of a, you know, they kind of keep us on because it's historical or, or do we have a really great relationship with them that, you know, going forward in the future, they want to build on? Right. Well, we actually had five games in there counting the pit game. Um, but you know, for me, you know, my experience, we, I was at Duke and did scheduling for a number of years. And so when we being Duke at that time, um, looked to schedule games in New York, we, we went cold call to Madison Square Garden and a, and a person named Joel Fisher, who is in charge. And he's become a great friend of mine. And little did I know we'd be partners literally <laughs> all the time. 
And so the relationship is fantastic. Um, and, you know, the reality is the pandemic really set us back. Right. The reality is that uh, the rent and the amount of revenue they can make in a non-St. John's Day is, is really vastly different than a St. John's Day. And so they're, they're good partners to, you know, keep us, so to speak. Um, and it's, you know, it is a two-way street. They recognize, they love college basketball and want to be a part of college basketball. And um, so I don't know the right number. When I first got here, I thought the right number was a lot more. And mm-hmm. then pandemic hit and obviously we've cut back. Um, I would say that this year's crowds were again, pandemic influence, but disappointing. And so I don't know the right answer. Um, so that's still for to be determined how many games we'll be in. But I know we won't be in any more. Uh, okay. We can't afford to be in more. But they're great partners. Uh, you know, we'll figure it out together. There's still something to a, a, a student, you know, a prospect, a recruit to come here and see MSG. Right. So we'll always be a, our home in, in some regard. Um, but it's a challenge to get to do more than what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So we've had some of the older players on, we've had Marcus Hatton on and, and Kyle Cuff and, you know, they kind of spoke about how for them, the garden, you know, was kind of their home. Uh, but when we ever talked to any of the newer guys, some of the, the managers and some of the, the coaching staff, they always say that the Karnaseka games feel more like home because they've gotten bigger crowds and there's more excitement there than there has been in the garden. So it's kind of funny to see how it's transitioned through the years Uh, well i mean it definitely you know has transitioned i I think there's a lot of factors involved i I will say this that you know one of the priorities of this current year was focusing on students coming to games and being a part of campus life and i put a full-time person that's all they do is student fan engagement and our numbers have been terrific this year and through even last week's spring break game um you know, we had a, a good crowd of around 500 students, but we, we've been as much as 1,400 and, and by far the best crowds, student crowds in my four, four seasons here. And, and so we're going to continue to be in, intentional about that. That to me is what college is about, is it's a part of campus life and students and having a good time. And so not only did we get them here, they had fun when they came here. And does it mean you do giveaways and food and all that? Yeah, it does mean that, but that's fun. And so I can tell you this in this off season, we're gonna spend a lot of time on, on reinvigorating our game day experience in Karnaseka. Um, we have a new marketing and promotions director coming. Um, I had a consultant come in um, the Providence game and, and it's not gonna look or feel the same next year. And so I think, you know, obviously you want traditions and things that you count on. Obviously we have great dance and cheer and spirit and all that, Absolutely. but there's also things that we, we can make our home even better. I'm also sure the students, if students get used to coming to games. Then when they graduate, they want to come back, right? If they're no, they become part of the culture. You got it. That's what we, and that's, what's honestly been missing. You know, it's, it's, it's just our, our young people have not returned. And so that's why I appreciate you guys and your interests. And I know as season ticket holders that you get it. We just got to find about 2000 more of each of you. So if you, 
You could have 2,000 more guests between now and the start of the year and interview each person why they haven't bought a season ticket, then that would be great. <laughs> so we'll start we'll asking. We'll, we'll get it on Twitter and we'll start asking. So uh -huh. we, we did have a, we had a game at uh, UBS Arena, the new yeah. arena in Long Island. Uh, what did you, what did you think of that game? We went, we, we thought it was, you know, it was a packed house. It was Kansas, obviously. Uh, can we expect to see more of those going forward? Yeah, I, I think it was a good start. Um you know, it, it was packed because they lowered the curtain. I mean, right, right. at the time, I thought, you know, I was disappointed that we couldn't fill it up. I, I was, I had pretty high hope that I, I felt like everybody was pretty excited back in August. We're bringing in a, a true blue blood program on Friday night. I don't know what else we could script better. And yeah, so we drew 9,000. Now we had about 1,200 students which was great. Um, and we, again, worked hard with that. And our guy did a great job. Robert is his name. Um, and, but, you know, it's still either pandemic or we're still, still growing. And, and it's probably both. I mean, we know we need to grow. We're going to spend an inordinate amount of time in the off season um, cultivating and finding and selling. And we have a great sales team in Courtney Prezan and her team. You know, we purposely um, third-partied our ticket out um, sales group, again, right before the pandemic started. Um, but, you know, she's been great. You got to build those relationships, too. And it's a relationship of fun and trust. And, and then, you know, college basketball, it's different than pros. I mean, college basketball is about 18 to 22-year-olds that you just want to win and they wear the same jersey and that you went to school most likely. And that's what it's about. And they give it their all. And does it make them perfect? No. Uh, but you know what? Nobody is. And so we just want we just want the excitement to come and just have fun, be here for two hours, cheer on your team. And hopefully we win and we go on to, you know, more wins. But, you know, there's no guarantees. So what can St. John's fans do outside of buying season tickets, which obviously is the main thing they can do, but in order to support the program, I mean, you know, so they don't have thousands of dollars to donate, but what else can they do to, to get involved or help support the, the program? Well, I truly do believe buying tickets and coming to games is the best way to support. And, and if you're, if you can't do it, then find somebody that will. And, and, and I think the other thing is it isn't about thousands of dollars. I mean, we need to find thousands and millions of dollars but everybody can help. And I think that's a part of our, you know, branding of the red white club for people to know that it helps all of our sports operate. I mean, we're running one of the smallest budgets in all of the big East. We're running one of the smallest fundraising operations in all of the big East. We have, you know, facilities that are not up to par in most of the big East. And those are just realities. It's what I knew when I came here. It's what Coach Anderson knew when he came here. It's what Father Shanley knows when he came here. So we're excited about that. I mean, I hope you can tell I'm excited and we're gonna get this solved. And we have 170,000 alums in the tri-state area. I think most of them care about if our basketball team does well or not. And, and so we need them to come out here and be a part of it. And how that gets re-engaged, engaged in a post-pandemic, we lost a lot of momentum. You guys know New York City was different than the yeah. rest of the entire country. Maybe DC is the only place I've seen even remotely close to what we've gone through. And to this day, honestly, and, and that 
makes a difference and you know it's no excuses but it just it, it was a reality you, you deal with the cards that are dealt you and so when we have to send kids home in boxes of food to sit in their dorm or their apartment for the last year and a half not so much the last couple months but i can tell you kids at texas tech weren't living that way right i'm not picking on texas tech no but, but I, for sure oh that's why we didn't play them <laughs> well yeah that, that is why we didn't play maybe i should pick on them yeah <laughs> you're right and so the reality is these kids for the last two years talk to their friends and peers and they're saying man i wish i could live like that and we can't do it now we're getting to that and i can tell you that as soon as this year is over i mean it's going to be a intentional like we we have to just like today today's the first day in new york city with we don't have indoor masking right i literally took the wind the peeled off the sticker on our front door that says enter <laughs> with a mask on because nobody else had done it since monday we've been on spring break well mm -hmm. you know what i showed up at 8 30 this morning and i peeled it down like i don't want to see that crap anymore and right it's not, i mean i know we had to do it and i'm i'm in favor of everything vaccines booster mm -hmm. mask wearing 100% in favor. But if we declare that's over, then we're not doing it. And I don't want reminders. So that's for sure, it's, you know, it's time to move ahead. And, and you really have had a tough start to your to your tenure here. I mean, you know, it, it, it's been a rough two years. And you know, it's, it's, it's set everything back. I'm not complaining. Don't worry about that. We're, we're excited. And it's been fun to be on the road. We have great kids, you know, across the board, we have great coaches across the board. And so no, no complaints. And, you know, believe me, I've, there's people in the perspective of the world. I'm not had it hard at all. <laughs> I'm happy and I'm good. And, you know, I think of things like our fencing coach grew up in Kiev. Oh, wow. We have a fencer from Ukraine who I just heard today, his entire town has been leveled. Oh my God. And now his family got out. Um, but it, that's, that's the people we need to help and hug. Not, not me. I'm, you know, we're, we're okay. Right. Well, you know, hopefully his family is safe and that, you know, he gets, they get through this rough time. Let's, yeah. let's talk a little bit about what are some of the best tools you think that we do have as a university to retain student athletes within the program? Yeah. Well, I think number one is we have great people and I think it's a great educational experience. Um, we have a campus that people don't realize how nice it is. People don't know how good our dorms are. Um, and so we have a lot of, a lot of great things here. I, again, I, I'm not, I, I'm just giving you the cards that we're dealing with, but there's a whole lot of positive cards and why we have great kids that choose here and great ones coming that we have first and foremost great people that and a campus and an environment that cares about people you know we live in the most diverse county in all of the united states and queens and that is to be celebrated and i love it and i think our student athletes love that and so they're getting a, a really rich experience of playing a sport here of being around a university that prioritizes athletics and and is um you know, surrounded by people that care. I mean, I think that's the other thing, you know, I didn't mention at the beginning that I want people to know, you know, and my vision is that this is a place that you, we always are in care for each other. And so, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with our student athletes across all of our sports, 
making sure they're doing okay. We have a great executive team that does the same. You know, through all this pandemic, the one thing that St. John stood firm with was believing and, and supporting our us as people, employees. There was no layoffs. There was no firings. You know, it was tough. That's I mean, great. But the money didn't come from the people. It came from having to cut operations and things like that. My colleagues across the Big East can't all say the same thing. They were put in situations they had to, you know, people lost jobs. And, you know, we were in a hiring freeze, but people didn't lose their jobs. And so I'm, I'll forever be appreciative of our university, how it stood with its students, our people. And, and that's who, that's who St. That's what St. John's is. That's why you guys love it. That's why I love it, that it stands for something. We are on a mission of education and a lot of first generation and opportunity. And that's why I think we attract the very best to consider coming here. And we hope, you know, do come here. Absolutely. I mean, part of that plays into, you know, our legacy as New York's school, right? We are the main preeminent team uh, in college basketball in New York. You know, you have done a great job of bringing some of those legends back uh, with things like the Marcus Hatton bobblehead and uh, the Felipe Lopez bobblehead, bringing those guys back. First of all, what it, how, how do you choose who gets the bobblehead? But secondarily, kind of, you know, what is the, I guess, the criteria for legacy numbers and bring, deciding, okay, who do we want to bring back and, and kind of, you know, re-engage yeah. with, the, with the fan base? Yeah, well, I would say, one, you know, the bobblehead uh, history go, predates me. And so our marketing and promotions team does that. They do a great job. Um, you know, Marcus um, Mo was picked this year, back at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I think that's a, a fun, great way of bringing, you know, our legends back. I'd say where we were more intentional in my actions, probably focused more in the last year on re-engaging, you know, two things. One, Coach Anderson hires Zendon, Zendon Hamilton to his staff. It was very important that we had a former player that was a part of the staff in the basketball program um, because it's not just re, re, re-bringing our legends back or our great players, it's every player. And I think that's where the stability and, you know, I was pretty fortunate. I came from a school that only had one coach. And so every generation is tied to that one coach as was on display this past weekend. Here, it's every four years, somebody has a different person. You talked about your brother has two different coaches in four years as a manager. You, you know, you go through the list and everybody's got probably two coaches at some point of their tenure here. That's not the recipe for long-term success. And so long-term success means you have to have leadership in place. Father Shanley's been doing this a long time. I'm an old guy and been doing this a long time. Coach Anderson's you know, older than I am, but I'm not going to call him an old guy, but he knows what he's doing and, and he's been doing this a long time. And so we all come from that background of it has to be stable. And we, we have been very intentional with bringing, trying to get all of our former players back for all of our sports, honestly, but I'll just stick to men's basketball for this. We can save that for another podcast, but, um, and so having the Coach Karnaseka statue dedication mm-hmm. was huge. Mark Jackson being inducted into our Hall of Fame, huge. Us bringing back the Hall of Fame, 
there wasn't when I got here, there wasn't a Hall of Fame, you know, yeah. that hadn't been done for, I think, seven years. And that was an A1 priority in our first year. And Keegan Bradley was among the, the honorees that first year and then pandemic. And then um, and then this fall with Mark Jackson. And we're going to have another great group again next year. And that's a priority. You have to celebrate and you have to create events around athletics. It's Absolutely. not coming to a game. And so that's, that's what I'm proud of and what we have a lot of work to do to continue to bring those guys back and have them feel like they're a part of it. It, it takes time. It's not a snap your finger um, and you have to be intentional in your actions. So do you think we can see, uh, you know, some, some more numbers retired going forward, maybe getting a Marcus Hatton Jersey retired. He's a, he's a friend of our podcast. He comes on often. Yeah. So he's great. He's a friend of mine too. You know, what's interesting. We actually don't have any numbers retired. Right. With legacy numbers. That legacy, legacy group that um, was, you know, created several years back. We re-honored them in a new way with kind of telling their story more. Um, we need to go back and revisit how to tell those stories and honor, but it actually isn't about Jersey retirement. Um, I can tell you that Chris Mullen would be the first one that gets his Jersey retired if, if we do Jersey. Rightfully so. Um, and so, but do we figure out ways to do more of what you're suggesting? Yeah, I think we, we always are looking for those reasons to tell the story. And, and I've told our marketing and our communications team, same with our current student athletes. I mean, if you were to meet a Pasha Alexander or a Dylan or Aaron, you, you name the group, anybody, they have a story. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what college is about. And how do you not root for Julian to make every shot? Right. You know, we want him to make every shot, but he can't. I mean, that's okay. Neither did Zion Williamson. I mean, so you just cheer for our guy and then you're proud of him. You know, Tariq Coburn is having one of the it there may not be another in the history of college basketball that's doing what he's doing this year and have we really done a good job of celebrating that i would say okay but are we really going to at the end of the year say holy smokes what Tariq just did in going to school in one of the toughest programs the kid never sleeps he <laughs> gives it his all you know it, it's like remarkable and sometimes he just has to simply pull himself out of exhaustion right yeah. which would never put him in that spot or tell i mean he doesn't talk no. about injuries yeah. or why somebody's not playing or whatever you know that's that that's just a part of the responsibilities being the head coach but and you play with the cards that are dealt you but Tariq coburn is one of the most special seasons of all time i, yeah. I wish i wish it was going to be able to be told on a more national scale because you know it just yeah. is I mean, that's how the game works. If you win a lot, then they tell your story a lot. But if you don't and you're right there trying to fight for wins, it's rare that it gets told. Um, I, I thought the New York Post article about him a couple of weeks ago was pretty good. I, I wish there was more of that. He's a very, very special young man. Yeah. I mean, think back. Uh, the Xavier Center that was Uber driving so his uh, another player could get uh, a scholarship. That was on ESPN. Yep. We got a guy that's trying to become a uh, going be a medical student right now. You see what happens? He has a week off of uh, school. He drops twenty points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny. You know all that behind the scenes stuff. 
you know, it kind of all be, can become a blur. And um, as far as to the outside, you know, you don't realize what's spring break to your point or a tough class or somebody got nicked in practice and can't really go full steam. You know, who knows? Girlfriends break up with them. You, right. you never. But this happens everywhere. That's uh, again, that's what I love about college. It's, you know, as, as crazy as college has gotten and it certainly has changed a lot of my time. It's still college to me and it's, it's a lot of fun. I love it. So, you know, we were obviously speaking about this season and, and to be completely honest, this season was it was a disappointing one. I mean, based on expectations, we underperformed and, you know, there's been a lot of, in our opinion, right. I think, you know, I speak for Craig and Tim also a misguided anger directed at coach Anderson. What do you say to those people who think, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to fire him, you know, after only three seasons. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, father Shanley and I were talking a couple of weeks ago and, and I think his story related is probably the best that everybody wanted, or every, a lot of people wanted uh, Ed Cooley fired last year. And, you know, it's, are you really a head coach at a highly competitive program if you don't have people that want you fired? Great point. Name, name a head coach and a program that doesn't have that. I mean, and so, I mean, all I know is what we're doing and, and I'm very, I'm very bullish on the next week. You talk about, we're not done yet. Right. I mean, the season is not over. We're not ready to write the epilogue. And so I know that was the message in the locker room after Saturday night. It was a tough loss. We were right there again. Um, and so, you know, that's what college sports are about. So all of that stuff, I'm head down focused on, you know, building and positive. Like I said, we all came here knowing there is not an overnight switch and we're going to do it the right way. We're not, there's not going to be cheating. There's not going to be shut court cutting corners. There's going to be a long-term determination to make this program what we all feel it can be. And I know you guys feel it can be. Um, and it's got a national brand in the best city in the, in the country and in a, in a pro sports market. So it's different. Um, but you know, we, we are determined to bring it back to where it's once been and, and we have great history, great alums, all the things we've talked about for the last 45 minutes, <laughs> right. we, we can do it. And, and so, you know, I, I, I never get you, your word disappointed or what's expected. I mean, I know the product that we, and the kids we had, and I know all they've gone through and what they've worked hard to through and what the staff's going through. And, you know, that that's not for the public to know every day, but, you know, my message is that let's all stay the course and let's all get behind these kids. Number one. And, and, and there's a trust and a transparency that, you know, we have leadership um, father Shanley on down that understands and we want the same thing. So it's, we're all on the same team. And, and if, you, if that's what you want, you want it to win, then you know what, let's all get behind it and cheer on these guys. And that's, that's our message, no matter if they all want them hired or they all want them fired, the mm -hmm. message is still the same. I mean, so we were right there last year, this year, I still believe we can beat any team in the league. Absolutely. Not, I, I agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, what did, what, what's our goal is to be competitive to, be in every game to win more than we lose. Don't get me wrong, but but we are you know we are going to build a sustainable, competitive championship level program. And if we look at the programs that have done that, they have greatly invested, and they have had stability. 
And so we're just at the beginning stages of that and we are set back. I mean, there's no getting around the life circumstances that we are set back. And so, but we're steadfast and excited about this week and the beyond this week and, and whatever comes our way, we're, we're pumped. Yeah, it should be an exciting week. We've got DePaul on Wednesday. So looking forward to that. Mike, it was great having you on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to, yes. good to see you all in video. I look forward to seeing you in the arena. Absolutely. And, um, in Karnasek. And, and if you have 2,000 more guests, remember, between <laughs> opening, opening game next year, that'd be great. There's a bonus in it for you guys. All right, all there right. you go. Go get all our friends. We'll, we'll bring them out. Yeah. 2,000 friends? That's amazing. <laughs> well, we'll have to work on it. We have the whole summer. Yeah, I mean, we got time. Yeah. We'll get there. All right, it is a big city. Yeah. Right. It's great to see you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank Mike again for coming out on the show. It was really nice of him to take his time out and join us on the podcast. You know, it was cool to see his perspective and see the comparisons between when he started at Duke and now when he's here at St. John's and also see, you know, the struggles that we face as a university and how with the leadership we currently have in place, the direction we're heading is the direction towards where we all want to be. And I think, you yeah. know, with under Mike Craig and Mike Anderson and, and Father Shanley, I think we've got a bright future and it'll be exciting to see where we go. It will be. I thought it was particularly interesting uh, how they focus very heavily on getting students to games. I think that's an important key going forward. Um, you know, we wanted to make it. That's the, the common thing. Everyone goes to games and they, they, they love it and they go there. Um, and having hired someone specifically for that, I thought that was just a great point and very interesting to know that they did that. Absolutely. So now let's take a look ahead to this Big East tournament week. It is, I know it's one of my favorite weeks in college basketball. It's probably the second best week in all of college basketball championship week. And the Big East tournament is obviously a special event. So the first round starts Wednesday. First game, 4.30 in the afternoon. It'll be Xavier versus Butler in the 8-9 matchup. Following that will be us. It'll be a 7 o'clock matchup, St. John's versus DePaul, the 7-10 game. Following us will be a 9-30 tip, Seton Hall versus Georgetown in the 6-11 game. That'll be the first round. That's on Wednesday night. Now, win and you move on. Moving on to the quarterfinals, those games are back to kind of the normal Big East schedule. Now that there's 11 teams, that there's an additional game on Wednesday. The games on Thursday, the quarterfinals, are noon, 2.30, and then 7 and 9.30. So the noon game, Providence is the one seed, so they sit and await the winner of Xavier and Butler. The 2.30 game is Creighton and Marquette. That's the 4-5 matchup. Then the 7 o'clock matchup will be the winner of our game. The DePaul and St. John's game faces off against the two-seed Villanova. Tough draw in Villanova, but it is what it is. Then the 9.30 game will be UConn. Versus the winner of Seton Hall and Georgetown in that 930 spot. So we're in the you know the night version, I guess you would say, of the bracket. No noon, no 230 games. Will be the late semifinal game. We, you know, obviously, and then you have a 630 final on Saturday. So I don't taking a look at the bracket, right? We're in the side. We got Villanova, UConn, Seton Hall, Georgetown, us and DePaul. Conversely, the opposite side, Providence, Creighton, Marquette, Xavier, and Butler. Not, not to be too optimistic, I kind of think we ended up in a better side of the bracket for us. It's a trap! <laughs> that is the St. John's fans motto, right? It's, uh, we always buy it, right? We're, we're in it. I no, mean, I'm in it too. I mean, I mean, look at it. Look at it, right? I, I don't really want to see Creighton again, even though, you know, they beat us twice. We, we probably could win a game against them. 
Marquette, they beat us uh, just on Saturday. And yeah, yeah. to be fair, we were in the game and we were right there, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't particularly like our odds there. I hate Providence. I hate playing Providence. They're a good team. That's not great for us. Butler, we beat twice. Xavier, we beat twice. Not that we would ever face off the 8-9, but I don't know. I don't ever, I don't really want to play a team I beat twice again. That Butler-Xavier game is super important, by the way, for Xavier. They're fighting for the tournament. Oh, games. absolutely. On, on 430 on Wednesday, that's a great, that's a great game. That on, that is a, that is a key matchup for the Big East too, because if we want to get if we're gonna get seven teams in, we're gonna need Xavier to win that game. Now on our side, Villanova, yes, they beat us twice. We you know we always kind of feel like we can get Villanova, even though it's usually for not some true. reason we have this feeling that we can. DePaul but. just looked really good against us in the last matchup, but we did beat them in Chicago. So you know we're at home, tech not technically, but in Madison Square Garden. I think DePaul. We'll get. We'll talk about the twelve game in a minute. I don't really want to talk about them yet because we got a whole look ahead to them. Sorry. Seton Hall, we split with them. We can certainly win a game against them. Georgetown's not going to win anyway, so that doesn't matter. UConn is a game where I know we we got robbed two games. We that's a game. Yep. I would love a UConn matchup in the semifinals, mainly because we'd be in the semifinals, but secondarily because we'd be facing UConn, which could be great for us to get a little payback. We were clo- we were close beating them twice. Little things didn't go our way, so we can never get to UConn on Friday. First of all, as been said, Friday would be great. Um, we haven't been to Friday in 22 years, uh, so that would be nice to be there. Um, we would all love that. Certainly we would. Before you get to Friday night, though, we play 7 o'clock on Wednesday against DePaul. You win that game, you advance. You play 7 o'clock on Thursday against Villanova. That is the path for St. John's. It's 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then it would be a 9 o'clock semifinal, and then the finals. Villanova awaits the winner of our game. Then that lower game, UConn is the three seed, also in this side of the bracket. Seton Hall most likely going to beat Georgetown, so that game most likely going to be a UConn-Seton Hall in that other quarterfinals. Hoping to get a win against DePaul and play Villanova. Yeah, let's hope hope we get past DePaul, and then then we'll look to Villanova and and beyond. That Thursday night, by the way, is the Big East tournament dream. Potentially a St. John, Seton Hall, Villanova, UConn uh, session, which is probably the highest resale ticket. You can you can ask for. Yeah, I mean this year for the Big East tournament, Ken Palm gave us a three percent chance of winning the whole thing. So you're saying there's a chance, Tim? I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead to the DePaul matchup. DePaul finished the season strong, winning three of their last four games. Finished the season at 500. They've got Javon Freeman Liberty, who leads the Big East in scoring, 21.9 points per game he also leads the team in assists and steals per game he averages three assists per games and just under two steals per game david jones is their other guy to watch out for 14 points per game he leads the team in rebounding though with almost seven and a half rebounds per game just to take a quick look at the team comparisons before we look back at our matchup with them uh, in terms of points per game, St. John's 79.7, first in the Big East. DePaul only 73.3, good enough for seventh on the list. So hopefully we can offensively outscore them and, and end up you know, just winning that way. But rebounding, we're third and fourth in the Big East. DePaul third at 38.5, St. John's fourth at 38.2, so just below. Turnovers, DePaul is sixth in the league in turnovers. Uh, we St. John's has a plus 3.8 turnover ratio. DePaul, however, is at net net zero. They're 0.0 in terms of their turnover margin. So that's a number we're hoping to exploit. In terms of rebounds, negative 0.7 for us. In terms of the rebounds, for DePaul, it's plus 
two. So hopefully that's not a number they exploit. It's a number we're able to turn around, out-rebound them, out-turn over them, and come away with a win. Looking back at the last DePaul matchup, 99-94 to loss against DePaul. 99 points was the problem. We gave up way too many points to a team who doesn't always score that many points. Javon Freeman-Liberty led the way with 39 points, a career high. David Jones had 23 points as well for the Blue Demons. For St. John's, Julian Champagny led that game, 26 points. Aaron Wheeler had 20. Pasha Alexander didn't start, but he had 18 anyway. We're going to need somebody outside of those three guys, uh, if our last matchup shows us anything, to come away with a victory. And we've got to contain Javon Freeman-Liberty. Those are the main two takeaways, I think, from that previous DePaul matchup. That's how we come up with a recipe to advance in the Big East tournament. I think... I, I, the thing that worries me a little bit about DePaul, I mean, I actually like the fact that we beat them once and lost them once. I, I, w- I would be worried if we beat them twice that we would not beat them a third time. So having lost to them, I, I think this one's kind of more of a toss-up. I think this DePaul team's actually a little underseeded. Not underseeded, I mean, obviously it has to do with their record, but I think with Freeman Liberty having missed the amount of games that he did throughout the regular season, this team is probably better than the 10 seed that they are. They probably should be in the 8-9 game. Uh, so we might have got a tough draw here. Um, but, hey, look, we're playing for our lives at this point. This is the last path we have. The season's not over. This is the week we got. Uh, so no matter what you know, no matter what what team we're playing, DePaul, we're playing for our lives. So DePaul, the Paul game is what we got to do, and we got to take care of business on Wednesday night. Absolutely we do, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough one. Like you said, Craig, they're coming off. The last matchup against them was, was a win for them, right? So they've got to feel pretty well. Having just beaten us yeah. at home. They know they can score on us. Scored 99 points. Certainly know they can score on us. 99 points. It's it's going to be a rough game. And, you know, it's funny. As a 7 seed, you think, ah, the 10 seed probably is further off. But it's Big East, man. None of the seeds are easy. Sure. You know, no game, with the exception of maybe Georgetown. No no game is a walk away. They're going to get somebody. They might, got, you know. Oh, they got one more game. Well, this is their last chance. I keep thinking they're going to get somebody. I this is their last chance. They won zero games in the Big East. So, if they're going to get anybody, it's going to be that game against Seton Hall because otherwise their season's going to end not having won a game since December, which, geez, you know, we think we got a bad. Yeah. that's It's rough down there in Washington, D.C. All right. So, maybe our last game of the season. Maybe not. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. It'll be DePaul Wednesday night, 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Hopefully the next time we're talking, we're talking about the biggest championship banner that we raised. We'll know next week, won't we? We will. We will. Let's hope. All right, that'll do it for this show. One more thing, Vincent. I have to. Well, I was down in South Carolina last week. That's why I was on the podcast, and I was at a restaurant in Charleston, and I met uh, met a guy who actually is from Brooklyn, but he moved to Queens. A guy named Emmett. So he, uh, I told him about. It. He was all excited. He's a big St. John's fan. So oh, nice. nice to see him in Charleston. I was surprised out of nowhere. You get somebody from Queens who, who's a big St. John's fan. Listen to the pod. So Emmett. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Love to see some, you know, non non normal, non local fan listener of the podcast. Good to see. All right, that'll do it for the show for Tim and Craig. Um, Vincent, go Johnnies. Keep chasing.